Hi there, I'm Birgit O'Connor, and welcome to the World of Watercolor Painting podcast. Now, our goal is to keep you motivated, inspired, and just have fun. And if you're interested in joining the conversation, go to my website, birgitoconnor.com, and then take one of my interactive courses or join my email list, and I'll keep you updated. And if you'd like to know when the next weekly podcast is available, please subscribe to the channel and you'll get a notification. In today's episode, we have a guest artist. She's actually a former student of mine that's gone on to be an award-winning artist and now teaches workshops. She's quite the adventurer, and she always has a lot of stories to tell. She's up there in the Sierra Mountains of California, so let's get started and have some fun. Hi, Eva. Hey, how are you, Birgit? Good to see you. This is fun. You know, uh, I don't usually have guests. Have you seen my podcast at all? Yes, yes. I've been listening to them. I think you're just, I mean, you are just my hero. I'm just, you know, watching. What's Birgit doing now? Oh, I love it. Well, I was just looking online and I was looking at all your websites. You have so many different things and it's like, where is Eva Nichols? Yeah. (laughs) So you have so many things. And so... Now, obviously, you have an accent, so you're not from the United States. Where are you from? I'm originally from Denmark. I grew up in Denmark, and um, I was an exchange student, you know, my senior year of high school uh, in the United States in um, the Midwest, and I came out to California. I fell in love instantly, wanted to move here, but of course, my dad, he said, no. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, And and then... um, some years later, when I was in my early 30s, um, I uh, got a chance to come out for a summer program at Monterey Institute of International Studies because I actually was doing international marketing at the time. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So, and then this time around, um, both my parents had passed away within, you know, the last couple of years. And, and so it was just a time in my life where I was ready to just jump <laughs> you know, into something completely new. So I moved. Long story short, here I am. And uh, so I spent 20 years on the Monterey Peninsula. Uh-huh. And you were um, doing hair and makeup, right? How did you get into I did that? Me- yeah, I mean, I've done so... I'm just one of those. I never followed this straight and narrow. Perfect. So, you know, when I came back from the States, you know, I went to a college. Um, I studied languages and I got a degree in languages, and uh, so I ended up teaching English and German to police officers at the Danish Police Academy. While I was doing that, I went back to college and got another degree in international marketing, and that then led to me being invited over for the program at the Monterey Institute of International Studies for just a two-month program. I just loved it there, and I was like, this is where I belong. So I, I moved over. I um, worked a few years kind of more within my field in sales and marketing for a small German company where I got to travel all over the United States and Canada and also abroad. And as I was, you know, getting closer to my 40s, I was kind of like, you know, I, was, I wanted to be my own boss. Mm-hmm. I was tired of, you know, always being on somebody else's, you know, time schedule. Um, and I just more or less fell into the hair and makeup thing. Well, um, and that's creative itself. I mean, exactly. That's actually my, you know, well, I did go to college for two years in Germany. And I wanted to have been a, I wanted to be a goldsmith uh, oh. when I came back from the States. So I finished college. It was a two year program, but then you know, it was back in the, um, 
uh, early 70s, I mean, it was hard to find uh, apprenticeships. And when I found one in Denmark, after I had had my two years in Germany, I found out I hated it. I didn't hate the creative part, but I realized that I was nothing but a glorified factory worker. Because, You're talking you know, about the goldsmithing, right? Goldsmithing, yeah. Because, you know, um, oh, you know, he would get an order in for maybe, say, 100 bracelets. Well, they might consist of eight parts that are, you know, identical. Mm-hmm. But guess who had to sit there and saw them out and do all this stuff? I mean, I lasted like not even two weeks and I was like, I'm out of here. I got to find something else. And that's when I landed on the languages. Well, that's interesting. So you were doing that and then just, so you just kind of also fell into the hair and makeup. Yeah. And that has been my kind of pattern. (laughs) But it's all creative. Everything you've done has been on a creative path. Yes. And I think, I think many, I mean, I'm not regretting anything that I've done because I, I think, you know, it has led me to where I am, mm-hmm. but I could maybe have taken a straighter route if I had been aware that I actually was yearning for being an artist, you know, painting, but it didn't even occur to me. But, you know, we're also um, programmed and trained not to choose that direction. Absolutely, because, you know, I do think, you know, like I was trying to air certain ideas for my dad, um, when I was, you know, getting ready to come back from the States and have to, you know, have a plan for what I wanted to do then. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was kind of like, well, interior designer, and I could just look at his face and he's like, ah, that's not a job. So, you know, right. I didn't even go to where I'd like to be an artist. I mean, I didn't even go there, even in my own, like, conscious mind, because that was just not going to fly. Basically. Well, I was always told that artists are crazy. They can't have a relationship and you're definitely not going to make any money. No, no, it was definitely. I mean, my dad was kind of like, you'd like to eat, don't you? Oh, uh, yeah. Kind of like, right, yeah. right. I can imagine that. Well, so, so, yeah. that, so you chose uh, uh, some fields like the international marketing and the goldsmithing and the beauty uh, and the hair and makeup. Those yeah. are all things that you could make money on. And, exactly. And then having your website, the beauty on location. I remember when I met you, that was when you were still doing that hair and makeup. Yes, I was doing it. I mean, that was my main job. And then I was, oh, when we met, I was getting more and more. I mean, I was, I just fell in love with watercolors. I was like, you know. I found my thing. So tell me, how did you end up deciding on watercolor? How did you find it? What happened? So another kind of funny coincidence or whatever, I really had gotten into kayaking, like ocean and flat water kayaking. Uh-huh. And um, I wanted to go on like kayak expeditions, go to different places in the world and kayak. And I thought to myself, you know, that would be really fun if I had like a little notebook or sketchbook so I could do little sketches on when I'm doing these things because that's out in the boonies. I mean, forget computers and that kind of stuff. And and then I thought, well, you know, I mean, forget oils, acrylics. No, it's got to be watercolor. So I bought myself a little tiny, you know, Winston Newton watercolor travel kit mm-hmm. and, and um, you know, um, a journal, watercolor journal. And next thing you know, I was obsessed. And I started taking classes, you know, adult uh, education classes in Carmel. Um, and then pretty soon, you know, I started uh, looking, you know, for workshops. And I started, I think the very first workshop I took was actually with Tony Couch. Oh. I don't know if, yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. 
I mean, it's years ago. And that was my first real kind of workshop. We were there five days, I think. And I was just so intimidated because all the others, first of all, he had like a very big class. And most of the ladies, it's mainly ladies, seems like. Uh, you know, it always, yeah. usually yeah. Yes, we have yeah. one or two men occasionally. Yes. yes. Exactly. With the little dribbling of men once in a while. But anyway, and I was so intimidated. And I almost, I mean, I think I almost felt like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? I have no clue. You know, I'm just a complete failure here. Because all the others, they had taken his classes for like 10 years, whatever. But he was very sweet because he came, he must have, you know, kind of felt that I was kind of like, oh, um, what am I doing? He came up to me uh, one of the last days and said, you know what? I know how you feel. You probably think, oh my gosh, you know, but these ladies, they're not learning nearly as much as you have. They're, they're seen it 10, you know, 10, 20 times. You are learning. And I'll also tell you something else. If you really want to learn watercolors, and I can tell you do, you have to teach. And ah, he said, I, I know. What that's you're interesting. Thinking. Oh, I'm not good enough. He says, if you're going to wait until you're good enough, it, you'll never be good enough. Because guess what? I don't think I'm good enough. Right. Anytime you kind of move up and you've learned something new, it's not like you then sit back and say, oh, I'm great now. I, I've learned everything. No. Then you're already st- striving higher. And that is how exactly you know, better. Well, you know, it, it is funny is that there are a few people out there that seem to know it all. I'm sure oh, yeah. you probably met some of them. Oh, absolutely. I, I actually think how sad. If you think you know it all, then there's nothing else to learn or get excited about. It's exactly. Then it's, where's the fun then? It's exactly. What's the challenge? Exactly. It's about having a good time. And and that was such a sweet thing for him to say. It really was, because I can tell you, I was right at that point. I thought, you know what? I should just give my watercolors away, you know, and, and be done with it because, you know, this is, this, I'm no good at it. Well, you know, what and, I'm also fascinated with is it's been interesting to watch your progression over the years and to see you develop what you do and your, your, um, your teaching style and what you're showing and all those adventures that you have and how you are expanding your teaching. Now you're opening up into larger workshops. And so, you, you know, we didn't even discuss really where you are. You're up there up by Truckee and the talk. Yes. So about 10 years ago, I decided to, um, I actually decided to pack up. That's when when uh, we spent some time in Mendocino. I had I had uh, applied to become an artist in right. residence in Mendocino, and I decided that now I was going to give it. I I wanted kind of like a um, like the young people. They have a gap year. I thought it was time for me to have a gap year. <laughs> and <laughs> oh kind of all those things I've always wanted to do, and one of them was being artist in residence. So you know, got into um, uh, the Mendocino Art Center for that. And then I thought, well, while I'm at it, there's a lot of things I wanted to do travel I love to travel. So I packed up all my stuff, put it in storage, and I started out at the Mendocino Art Center with a month as an artist in residence. And then I took off for the Southeast Asia, where I volunteered for Borneo Childhood. I taught them watercolors and you know, bumping around out in the did jungle. You, did you first go over there on your own? Because I was following yeah. you on Facebook. Yes, I went on my own. Mm-hmm. I went on my own. Now I had some Danish friends there and they were involved with Borneo Child Aid. And that's kind of how that came about. It was a fabulous experience. And then uh, I went on to Australia. I took a workshop with the the uh, Aboriginal Australians to learn their dot painting technique. Oh, my goodness. 
And then I went back to Truckee. I bought a house up here and my daughter was, and her boyfriend was renting it from me at the time because mom didn't know what she was going to do when she was growing up. She was, I, I didn't know at that time. And I was going to use this year to really figure out what I wanted to do, not what other people expect me to do or what I kind of seem to be practical at the moment. Uh, I really wanted to find out what I really wanted to do. You know, I was around 50 at the time. And, you know, all of a sudden it becomes clear to you that you're not going to live forever. Mm-hmm. And maybe your health is not going to hold up forever. I mean, you know, you, things happen in your family and you see friends, you know, something, you know, all of a sudden they get this illness or, you know, or, or even worse, you know, they pass away. And, and it makes you realize that you got to kind of get to what you really want to get to if you want to get to it. And you have a lot of goals. I totally get it. You know, that's why I I just, I have so many things that I want to do. And, and you know, there's only so much time. So try to fit it in. You know, otherwise, uh, I just wouldn't be happy. I love no, everything. Exactly. It's the but, same. But now what's fascinating is to hear you are living the artist life. I mean, from going to China, teaching there and going to Australia and taking classes from the Aborigines. And then it's just kind of funny that you're up there in Tahoe area, you know, yeah. in, in Trucky. I, I, mean, love I, I love Truckee. I love that area. And I've really found a good, um, you know, there's a lot of artists up here. And so really, I feel I've found my tribe as it's, you know, called nowadays. That's beautiful. Yes, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) When we met, I still had like a job, like quote unquote, a real job. Um, And it's probably five, almost, yeah, five, almost six years ago that I have done art, just art, you know, um, in some galleries. And then I teach um, a lot of classes. I teach some classes up here. And then, as you mentioned, you know, I, I taught, you know, I taught in China earlier this year and uh, I've really expanded my teaching. So I see some awards behind you. Where did you get those? Uh, I got them from the Share Watercolor Society and uh, I've gotten from other shows, you know, back in Monterey, I got some and I've gotten some Actually, I forgot. I mean, a couple of years yeah, ago, one of them. I I think. Gave an award. <laughs> That's right, up there at the Sierra Watercolor yeah, Society. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness, I forgot all. And I think you won even first place, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Oh my goodness, that's great. Yeah. Oh well. And so, uh, what? I'm just curious now. What are your favorite subjects? I know what I see, but what what really inspires you? I mean, I would say I'm basically nature inspired. Mm-hmm. Definitely. It, it, and it can be landscapes, it can be plants, it can be animals. I love birds. So mm-hmm. it's, and I love being, I mean, I love nature. I, you know, that's part of why I love to travel. Right. Is, I mean, I don't go so much for like the big city experience and that I'm out in the, I, I, the more I can get out in the, into the boonies, the, the happier I am. Right. I, I get a little suffocated in the cities. I can handle yeah. cement for a while and not very long, actually, really oh. a couple of days. And then I need air. You know, I need to be out yeah. there in vastness. You're using watercolor, right? That's your primary medium, not so absolutely. much. I, absolutely. I love watercolors. And I have dabbled. I, I tried just, you know, I've tried water soluble oils. Eh. I've tried acrylics. Eh. <laughs> and 
doesn't really do it. And I hate that, you know, I don't like to all that dust. Um, I don't think it's good for you either. Right. I love watercolors. I love it because they flow. And right. you were, I mean, I took, you know, I've taken a number of your workshops, but you really opened my eyes to the flow of the watercolor. And that is what I'm in love with, mm-hmm. the way they flow. I mean, oils and, and all those others, you have to push them around. They don't do a darn thing themselves. Right. Well, you know what? I did try something. I was actually inspired by one of my students down in Arizona. I think I was in Tucson. And she came to the workshop and she had uh, fluid acrylics and she wanted to know about them. And I thought, you know, that isn't what I do at all. So it's like I really didn't have a lot of information for it at all. But what was fascinating is that I took a look at them and I did give them a try once. And I think that would be interesting to try again because since it's, a, it's an acrylic, right. it doesn't, uh, you don't have to worry about having it under glass if you don't want it like that. But um, it, it flows, yes. but it's different. Right. No, no, I think, I mean, you can use acrylics actually pretty much like you can use watercolor and then they have, they're permanent, you know, so I mean, can't, once they're dried, that's it. But we, we don't have have to love a watercolor framing thing. That's the, that's the bad thing about watercolor, right? Yeah. Do it. You know, like I, I know you have a video or DVD out on, you know, alternative ways where you mount it and you seal it with, um, with the Krylon acrylic spray. And but so that yeah, is, but, or you can also use that Dural, is it Duraline? Yeah, Dural and wax. I've tried both methods. And, you know, I mean, at least you don't have to frame it with glass. So that's the upside. However, I do feel that it's just a different headache than uh, framing on the matte and glass because it's not like the acrylic or the wax goes on by itself. Personally, I just like watercolors without uh, a fixative on there. But then if you're in a show like in the Southwest or anywhere where there's a lot of reflection, some places really don't want that plexiglass or glass on there, but then it changes it from a transparent watercolor and it turns out. There's a lot of shows. I mean, the, the transparent watercolor shows and stuff, I mean, they won't accept that. Right. But there are some that are thinking about allowing that in because they want more entries. Right, exactly. And actually, our society that I'm part of here, Share Watercolor Society, um, they, I mean, at least they they did one show last year where it was open to that. Hmm. Because they wanted some of the more traditional watercolorists to maybe at least see what it looks like and Hmm. maybe open their mind a little bit. Um, It changes it. Everything looks more intense in color, yeah. Yeah. What brand of paint do you like to use? So I have traditionally used mainly Winter Newton. Mm-hmm. I still like Winter Newton a lot. Um, and that is my like basic you know, like go-to palette. But um, I have um, experimented with uh, M. Graham. I find th- those are great watercolors too. And um, the Daniel Smiths are great watercolors too, you know, and those are American brands. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Da Vinci, I've also, I used Da Vinci once in a while. Like I use... You know, I, I always want to paint with professional grade because I think mm-hmm. that's so important. And when I, t- I teach classes where it's just like, a, you know, like a three-hour class or something like that where people, are, they have no experience. And I am just so picky. I don't want to see them sit there and struggle with their little sets that they bought that they should give to their, you know, grandkids or kids or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I always, you know, I bring sets 
so mm-hmm. that I know that they have the good materials. And so well, I used to be that. That's, that's wise. You know, like I also have a, a free online course or just a, a, it's a little mini course called uh, Watercolor for Kids and Young at Heart. Yeah, I've seen it, that. It's so cute. It, it's a lot of fun, but I'll tell you the huge challenge in that is I was thinking about people would have their own home kids sets. So I was trying to work with that and trying to have yes. kids be successful. It is right. so hard with those sets because the oh colors don't blend well. There isn't a lot of pigment in there and it ends up being a little frustrating. Absolutely. I agree. And, and, and that's exactly what I find. I think actually, Birgit, I think that's why a lot of people, they get turned off from watercolors right away because that's usually their first experience. And since, you know, they've never tried it before, they don't know that it's the materials. Of course, we always think it's us. Right. So they just automatically say, oh, I'm no good at it. Right. I'm sure you've had lots of students too say to say to you, oh, I tried watercolor once. It was a disaster. Right. Well, you know, that's how I learned everything about watercolor. I started with praying, just like those kids sets. I started with Strathmore student grade paper. And then people don't understand that the paper makes a huge difference. And then when you use those paints on them, on the paper, it can lift, it turns into mud, you know, it's good for some things. But if you're looking for a specific result, that's not going to happen with those uh, student grade Exactly. So give us an idea how you approach a subject from start to finish. What do you look for? What inspires you about that particular subject? Whatever that may be. Can you? It can be many different things. Um, You know, it can be a color combination. It can be, you know, some shapes that all of a sudden I'm like, oh my gosh, this looks like, you know, I want to paint that. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to put your finger on sometimes because Again, I'm not like, you know, I don't only paint like one subject matter. You know, I, I, I do a variety. Because I was looking at your Art in America site, and then I'll take a look at some of your other sites. You're, and you're on Facebook, too. Are you? Do you have a different name on Facebook or just? Uh, I'm Eva Nichols on Facebook. And uh, I have a YouTube channel, Eva Nichols Art. Okay, so I'm also curious, you know, it's always difficult to call yourself an artist, especially when you're just starting out. Now, what do you think about that? And when were you able to call yourself an artist? I think when I um, went to uh, Mendocino Mm. and uh, was an artist in residence, I think that's the first time where I really kind of felt like this is who I am. You were in a supportive environment around other artists. Exactly. And that was, I mean, that was the huge, huge um, benefit of that. And do you also belong to any art organizations? Do you think yes, that's valuable? Sierra Watercolor Society. Sierra and, Watercolor Society, right? Yes. So that's a local uh, watercolor society up here. Um, and um, I'm also a member of the Michigan Watercolor Society because I actually taught a watercolor class or workshop in Michigan this past fall. Well, how has your painting style changed from when you first started? I think, and I think this is probably pretty typical. I think when I started, I was much more concerned with making things look like they look in a picture or in real life. Mm-hmm. And as I've matured as a painter, I'm less concerned about that. I'm more concerned about, you know, giving my own expression. You know, I'm not a photorealistic painter. I think that's the difference. I always, you know, I always say to my students, you know, I mean, 
if you want it exactly like your photo, if it's a photo we are painting from, just be done with it and take a picture. We want to know something from you. And that is expressed with, you know, the color choices and what you emphasize and things like that is what I feel. And do you paint every day? Almost every day. And how long do you paint when you're painting? That varies. You know, sometimes it all depends. But, you know, I love it when I have a studio day where, you know, you basically lose yourself in a painting. Um, But I would say usually maybe a couple of hours. All depends. You know, some days I I paint, you know, eight hours. Uh, Or if I'm teaching a workshop, you know, I mean, then you have to get ready for that. You know all about that. Yeah, Yeah. it's a lot of prep that goes into it. a lot of prep. You know, like when I was traveling and teaching, I mean, that takes at least a week to prepare and then you ship and then you're traveling and you're there and then you come back and then you have to break down. It takes a lot of time. It does. And do you think it's important to paint every day? I I personally think it's important for people that are just starting out just a little bit. Yes. Yes. I think it's definitely, I mean, make it a habit like everything else you know, uh, to at least, you know, carve out however much, you know, depending on your, what, what you have going on, but carve out a little time, even if it's only like, you know, 20 minutes, mm-hmm. that's your creative time. Oh, the same as like, if you're doing your stretches every day or whatever, you know, do you have anybody say to you, what a nice little hobby you have? I mean, uh, they used to say that to me in the very beginning and it was just crushing. Yeah. I, I don't really feel that I've heard that for years. Right. If you don't have access to a society or other artists, a lot of people that don't understand the artistic process will think "Eh, they don't get it. They don't get it. Or they think that, you know, you can be, I mean, they they don't take it seriously or they take it as a, as an insult. If for instance, they say, Oh, uh, let's meet for lunch. And you're like, you know, I'm sorry. I I have to work in my studio today because no, I have a gallery that I have to get my paintings ready for. You know what I mean? Or I have a class where I need to be prepared. Being a professional artist, and you're absolutely dedicated to doing that with your uh, galleries and teaching, how much time goes into the marketing of yourself as an artist? Well, that takes a lot of time. Because that takes that a is lot of time. And that steals a lot of, I mean, it feels like it steals some of your studio time, honestly. Always a struggle. Like I, I used to do quite a lot of, you know, the art shows. I actually decided that about a year or two ago that I'm pretty much done with that. And it made sense in the beginning, say 10 years ago, when I was really gearing up for trying to move from having a day job, quote unquote, and be a full-time artist. I felt it was really necessary to get my name out there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a couple of years ago, uh, at one of the shows and, you know, the wind was howling, people's tents were flying everywhere and it was absolutely no fun. Mm-hmm. So I decided, you know what, Eva, your name's out there. I think we can pack up the tent. Things evolve. Well, like I used to do the Mill Valley Festival, Fall Arts Festival and the Sausalito um, Art Festival, Labor Day Festival that they have, the big one. And I enjoyed it. You know, you meet people, you connect, and that's fun. And then I would have an open studio and people would come here all the time. But what I also found is that the majority of people want to know how to do it for themselves, right? Yes, yes. So, you know, you get some clients and I don't even really care about selling my art so much. You know, I just, I just enjoy the process and connecting with people. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. are you currently in any galleries? 
Yes, um, I am in four galleries. Uh, I'm in. Um, it's a lot of work. It is a lot of work. So that's another thing, and it, it takes up a lot of time too. I mean, you've got to make sure that you have, you know, fresh paintings there and stuff like that. So I'm in a gallery in Truckee. It's called Gallery Fifty Eight Thirty, and then I'm in two galleries in Tahoe City. One is called the Trunk Show, and then the other one is North Tahoe Arts. And North Tahoe Arts is actually a, a, a co-op. Um, so there I have to work like about once a month. So I love being part of that. I love all that. And now when it comes to the brushes that you use, what kind of what kind of brushes do you use? I actually have some of yours. <laughs> <laughs> do you still like them? Oh, yeah, I love them. Um, yeah, I bought the bigger ones, you know, so I use those when I'm painting on like bigger paintings, like, you know, half a sheet or full sheets. Um, and um, then I really, uh, I, I uh, discovered... Uh, the um, Mimic Squirrel Brushes from Jerry's Adorama. I really like those. For, what do you call those? They're called Mimic Squirrel, and they're by Creative Mark. Oh, okay. And, and they, are, they, they are really, they hold quite a lot of water. They have a nice spring to them, and they have really nice tips, you know, like, oh, like pointy. So I really like those, and those are, are brushes that I feel very comfortable, um, you know, recommending to my students because it's a good quality and it's very affordable. Almost exclusively round. I find bearded. I, my observation is that guys use flat brush. Right. Gals use round. That is true. I've noticed that. In general, in general, there's always, you know. I know. I've noticed that. It's like the guys are always very angular. Women are much more organic. Right. You know, and there's a flow to them. Yeah. And so where do you see yourself in about five years? What? How do you see yourself? So I see myself continuing to teach, but I think um, cutting back on my teaching obligations uh, and uh, just doing, um, I, would, I would like to combine my love for travel with my love for painting. Well, you're so starting I'm, that. You're, yes. You're on your I'm way on to path. do I'm yeah. on the path. And cut back, even though it's hard for me because I love the classes I have, but cut back on classes where I'm obligated to show up every week because it kind of that's a lot of work. My my travel schedule, you know what I mean? I do know what you mean. In fact, one of the things I mentioned in one of the previous um, online courses that we had, or even on the podcast, is saying no to things and what a challenge. It is to it's do very that. difficult. And it's terrifying because you know what works and to give that up to create the space for new things to come in is scary. But then you'll mm-hmm. never be able to experiment or reach that goal if you don't allow that space. It, it really is true. It really is true. Um, and, and that's exactly it. And that's what I'm kind of, you know, contemplating uh, this year is how I you know, really thinking and being honest with myself also on what it really is that I enjoy and what I want. And then realizing that something's got to give. Right. But you want to do the traveling, but you can do that. See, you know, like doing all the commitments that I had about the traveling, I I was scheduled so far in advance. Oh my gosh. I thought about you and I, and when I looked at your schedule, I thought that is, I mean, because I traveling is fun. Yeah. But it's exhausting. Yeah. Well, you know what? Being at home and doing everything that I'm doing is actually more exhausting than traveling and teaching because, you know, I've got a hubby and I've got a, (laughs) 
there's a difference. No, so that's good and bad. I mean, you know, so nobody's kind of, you know, uh, grumbling when I'm not giving them any attention. On the other hand, you know, I don't have any, like, I see the guys, you know, I, our, our colleagues, male, male colleagues, uh, they very, very, very often has this sweet wife. She takes care of all, you know, the yes. marketing. She, does, she comes with them to the workshops, makes sure that Hoppy is all happy and sells his products and all this stuff. And I'm like, man, I want a wife. No, <laughs> I know. You know, that's what I've told my husband. I said, you know, most successful artists have a spouse that actually do all that work. It can be a spouse or or a spouse or a really good friend, but they right. take care of all the marketing, the sales and booking and all that stuff. My yeah. husband can barely, he doesn't even know how to turn the computer on. He can do a iPad, which is great, you know, so he's making progress and he doesn't need to learn anything else if he doesn't want to. Right. But um, yeah, it's usually the wife that does all that. Exactly. exactly. So are, are you inspired by any other particular artists? And well, I am inspired by you because I really, and I, and that's just, I love your, I love your, and you're also, I mean, developing and, and pushing boundaries all the times. And I just saw that uh, new painting that you had uh, with, with the, with the figure in there that you just got into. Uh, the Northwest what? Watercolor Society. Yeah, congratulations on that. So that's not, that's outside of your normal wheelhouse, so to speak. No, it is really, it, what was interesting with that is that I have actually two separate mailing lists. One is that I've, uh, one is one that I've had for years of all my clients and workshop people. And, you know, I, I keep that separate and I give them updates, but I don't give them updates as often as I do the students in my online school. And right. I, I've got so many responses from that uh, portrait that I did, and I really enjoyed it. I'm loving doing that looser style. It's a lot of fun, and I'm able to experiment with different brushes and paper and get to stretch. But, you know, like doing the, uh, the traveling all the time and the teaching, I wasn't able to really stretch myself the way I wanted because right. I knew what worked for the students and yes. I knew what was going to give them the best experience. So being at home, I'm able to experiment a little bit more. Right. And that's exactly what I find, too, is um, that when you, I feel that I'm at that point, all last year, really, I felt I was at the point where, you know, I taught so many classes, which I love, mm -hmm. but I did not have time to paint for myself. Right. Whenever I painted, it was either in prep for a class or a workshop or for my YouTube channel. You know, like I even asked myself, why am I so driven? You know, I said that to my mom the other day. I said, I don't know why I work so hard. I'm just driven. I love everything I do, but I see you very much like me. Yes, <laughs> you know. we, are, we, are, we are a little similar there. Yeah, well, you with your German background, me, me with my Danish background, you know. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. I think, <laughs> I think it's that. I think it's that kind of work thing, you know. And so let me ask you, what's your favorite paper that you like to use? I love to use Arches, um, a 300-pound cold press. That's my absolute favorite. 140 is fine, too, but I do prefer the 300 pounds just because, you know, it's so sturdy, you can pick it up. And I like, like you, to, uh, you know, lift it up and let the colors flow and let gravity do its thing. Have you noticed a change in the paper over the last couple I of years? I'm feeling I have. 
Um, and I don't know, somebody told me that did they either change manufacturer or did they change staff or? No, well, they say, you know, you it doesn't matter. Um, you'll get different responses. What mm-hmm. I heard, I, I heard the same thing that it went to a different uh, location. They say that it never changed. It's there in France. It's still being manufactured by the same place. And then I heard that they needed to get back the master person that created the paper. I heard that. Mm-hmm. And the last thing I heard was that uh, they changed the animal size, or they, they changed the sizing of the paper. And they mm-hmm. said it was only 2%. And But I thought, you know, you don't get those kind of results with 2% of a change. Mm-hmm. And it used to be done with animal sizing, so it had that really stinky smell and hard surface sizing. And the vegetable sizing has that very soft, velvety surface. And and then I heard that they're only sizing one side of the paper, which doesn't make sense to me. And then they have the other side soft. It's like, why change something that was working for so long? It makes no sense whatsoever. But that's because the company has sold. It sold a couple times. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, that's, I mean, because I have felt that, but, you know, you haven't been able to get it confirmed or otherwise. Oh, it's confirmed. I'll tell you that. To see if there was any, like, something out there on, in the... It's confirmed. You know what? We talk about that. We talk about it in the online courses. We've talked about it in the podcasts. And what I noticed it when I was down in Tucson and I was doing a demonstration and I had a batch with the with the number 245 on there and it was impossible to work with. And I thought, holy smokes, I'm trying to do this demonstration and teach this class and pretend like I know what I'm doing and it's not working. Right. And plus the environment's already dry down there and then you've got air conditioning. But I have never had a problem with that before until that batch. And then I really noticed it. But what was funny is I just did a painting, actually, that one behind me back there, I did that with um, 245 and it worked. So it could be also the environment. It definitely, that was not a fun surprise, but it could be that. I've also been trying Fabriano, but I am doing the Fabriano uh, expecting a different result, not what I'm doing with the florals. Right. And and the other, like with those, um, that portrait that was done on 140 pound hot press paper. I don't usually oh, wow. use hot press paper, and I really liked the results on that. Right. So, yeah. I, I mean, I've tried the Fabriano, uh, and uh, I didn't really care for it that much back, I, I mean, that's a long time ago. Uh, and then I tried uh, Lancarelle, which I kind of liked, but it's... Isn't that the same company? Other. I, think, I think it's the same company, isn't it? I don't know if it is. Oh, okay. I thought that was the same company, but that's that's interesting because it has that softer sized surface. Now, for that paper surface, I preferred using like those little squirrel brushes, something that really holds a lot of water. Right. So right. that was fun. Yeah. And then um, do you use masking fluid? Do you like to use masking fluid? I, I do use masking fluid um, sometimes, you know, uh, I like it. And I like it, but I, I, I feel that, I mean, it, it does involve, and then afterwards when you take it off, I mean, they have all those hard edges. So right. it's a lot of tedious work. 
that has to be done afterwards. So I kind of feel that it makes the first stages where you don't have to be careful about anything um, easier, but you you pay the price later. Mm-hmm. And do you have a particular brand that you like? Yes, I definitely like the PPO. Uh, right. Well, have you noticed? Like it because it has a little bit of color and then it's it's quite fluid. So I feel it's easier to be more precise with it. But have you noticed the change in the PBO also? Yes, I have. And so that's exactly what I was not 100% sure now. Is it the paper that has changed or is no. it the paper that has changed? The PBO seems like I never, ever, ever used to have any problems with a, when I rub it off that it would have a little bit of a stain of the blue right. kind of blue. All of a sudden, this last year, I've had several incidents where it's like it stained the paper. Right. Well, so what happens is they changed it. And then when I've contacted uh, PBO uh, in the United States here, they she knows the person that I spoke to knows that there's a problem. And then when she tried to contact the company and tell them that they say they can't recreate the issue. And then when I was in Spokane at the art store up there, they had the same problem. They spoke to the PBO people. And again, they keep saying, oh, we can't recreate that issue, which is a crazy you know so I've had students uh, take pictures and then send it in I don't think it's really made much of a difference and I think it all really revolves around around money and so it used to have that gray look to it and work beautifully now and now it's blue so the other thing I've changed uh, I haven't tried it yet I mean I don't use a lot of masking but it's really good when like you said when you start out in a a way to protect an area especially when you're teaching a class I think it's called incredible masking right so I haven't tried this yet but it's kind of clear yeah, so it's just another option because that blue stain. I mean, I've written the books and done videos and talked about PBO, and then to have it stain the paper is really disappointing. You know, it happens once, and then you think it's kind of like an oddball thing, but it's happened a number. No, of times. it's not an oddball. For me and my students, you sell some of your work online, right? I sell on occasion. I sell online, and very often, I would say my sales they actually go through if I post something on Facebook or Instagram. And then I'll get a message from somebody, is that one still for sale? And then so, you know, so that you, make more sales. So you sell on Instagram? Uh, I, um, I don't know if I've had any from Instagram, but definitely from Facebook. You know, just finished this painting or whatever, and I post it. And then I would get, you know, a message saying, you know, is it for sale? What's the price? That's nice. So I have had that happen. And do you um, enter any competitions, any art? Well, you do. You do enter some. I did. I did. I don't do very many. Uh, I I don't think I've I don't think I've entered anything. Maybe since I entered the the show where you were the juror. So that's a couple it's of years. Time ago. consuming to enter. You know, it's also really time consuming. I go years without entering. I always forget the dates. I don't pay attention to it. Right. And in fact, this year, it was the first time I've entered in a long time and tried something completely new, which was that portrait. Yeah. I, I didn't want to let people know. You know, uh, I wanted to just test it first. And I figured in the show that it went in, they were not going to know it's me. No. So I was very pleasantly surprised. Yeah, that was wonderful, but it's also a beautiful painting. So thank you. I really, I really had a lot of fun with it, and I'm looking forward to doing more of those. It's just hard to find the time to do everything. Exactly. So what do you think was your biggest breakthrough? 
I really, you know, I really personally, I think it was getting in um, uh, and getting that residency at the Mendocino Arts Center. So what projects are you working on now and what are you the most enthusiastic about? So uh, I am working uh, on some winterscapes, winter landscapes. Uh, so I really want to go back to painting really big. That was actually something I worked uh, on when I was up in Mendocino. And I kind of have been burning to get back into that. You know, the drag, though, is the framing part on those. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That is so true. Um, and I still haven't, you know, figured out how I'm going to tackle that. But Well, you uh, know, I, I got an email today from somebody and they were asking about that. And we talked a little bit about that framing without glass or the uh, Dorland wax. Yeah. But another thing is that a lot of avant-garde galleries will just hang on by clips. Now, I was going to say, because that's what my one gallery in Chucky said. He says, you know what? We'll just hang them by clips and, you know, with the decadets and everything. And then people, you know, because people that buy bigger paintings like that, you know, the, I mean, they're more pricey paintings and they rarely do they want the frame you put it in. Yeah, they don't. But you know what? We want to protect it from grubby little hands, especially from the little people. Oh, you know, yeah. so that's what we want to be careful about. Yeah. And so what other hobbies do you have outside of painting that you do that you enjoy? Like, I know you like the kayaking. I'm curious. Yeah. You know, I, I love bird watching or wildlife life watching in general, but bird watching especially. Um, and I like hiking. Um, and of you, course, you, know, you, I, you are an adventurous person. I mean, it's amazing. I'm thinking you'll go and camp out in the desert or do some crazy thing. Yeah, I'll do some. I did a road <laughs> trip, you know, last year and the year before where I just take off my car. <laughs> and, uh, you know, last year I tried for the first time to. Uh, uh, camp out on BML land. I'd heard about that. So, do you worry at all when you're out there? But you see some amazing. Stuff. Yeah, I see amazing. You know what? No, I don't worry. Um, I really don't. Uh, and I've never, you know, like some people, they're afraid of the dark or they're afraid of being alone. And I have never been. Do you have any tips for new artists? Yes, I do. And I would. My tip is buy good supplies don't buy the set with 25 you know watercolors in them because they're not going to be good quality buy your primary colors red blue and yellow artist quality buy good paper watercolor paper it has to be a hundred percent cotton rag and buy yourself just a couple of good and they don't have to be expensive brushes but you know if you are out in the store feel them they have to have kind of snap back Look at them, see if they come to a nice tip. If it's a round brush, and that's what I would suggest to start out with. And don't buy the little teeny, beeny, witchy, tiny brushes. Buy, you know, number 12 or something like that. And you really only need a couple of brushes to start with. But well, you know, that's really good advice. It's interesting when you said the brush sizes, it made me think because we know that most people are going to find it within their budget and comfort zone with going for a six, eight and 12. So I always try to push them a little bit larger. You know that because you had my magic wand, the number 30, right? And you can paint a lot of paintings. You can paint little paintings with big brushes, but you can't paint big paintings with little brushes. It doesn't work. Right. Well, do you have anything else to add? Don't really think so. I mean, you know, check out my YouTube channel, Eva Nichols Art. And um, I'm in Gallery 5830 in Truckee. And that number refers to the altitude here. 
Yeah. And then in uh, Tahoe City, I am um, uh, in uh, North Tahoe Arts, along with about 24 other local artists. And in Tahoe City, I'm also in a wonderful little uh, gallery slash gift shop that's called The Trunk Show. And then in Reno, Nevada, which is not too far from here, Marcy's Gallery and Gifts. So those are the four galleries that I'm in. Okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to put a list of all that together and put it in my show notes. Awesome, so thank anybody you. Can find, and that way people can find you that way. So Eva, thank you so much for joining us today. And I'm looking forward to seeing you sometime in the future. And thank you for inspiring all of us. And I'll put all that information on the show notes so people can find you and perhaps take a class from you. Thank you so much. Or purchase your art. So, okay, Eva, thank you so much. And I will talk to you soon. Now that concludes today's episode with our guest artist, Eva Nichols. It's nice to know that many of our journeys are very similar and you're not alone. And if you'd like to know more about Eva, you can always go to the show notes and I'll have links available to her galleries, her website, and other information. And to find the show notes, go to beargetoconnor.com forward slash 26. So until next time, have fun and happy painting.